Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about perfectly balancing the immortal soul of a wrestler and the tiny hands of a field mouse. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. Today we'll cover hacking, playtesting, and obscure genres, while we talk about our hack of lasers and feelings, Luchadoraton. So did you know before we started before you started working on this game that there is a luchador Pikachu? <laughs> I did know that there's a luchador Pikachu. Yeah, it's pretty fancy. And apparently it's a lady Pikachu, which I didn't know. I did not know that either actually. Yeah. But uh I came very close to buying the um the luchador Pikachu plush animal uh, <laughs> thing a couple times. There were a couple days where I queued it up in the, the cart and almost bought it. If Luchador Raton makes enough money that I can afford a Luchador Pikachu, maybe I'll buy it and bring it to uh, to conventions with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. I thought about that. So why don't we start at the beginning? Yeah. Because I think you came up with the name and some of the early concepts for it before I kind of even was aware you were working on it. Yeah, things happened really, really quickly with this. I think I think I was talking with uh, yourself and P.K. Sullivan about creating the ultimate Brandon tweet, what Brandon tweets are all about. And it was mice, Latino superheroes, and role-playing games. Because that's 90% of my tweeting. It's real bad. Yeah. And so I just kind of jumped from there and went, oh... Latino superheroes, similar enough to luchadors, because uh, I didn't know I don't know the Spanish word for superhero, but I do know the Spanish word luchador, and I know the Spanish word raton, which is mouse, and I just quickly portmanteaued the two together and got luchador it's raton, so good. and now we it's have a so game. Good. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember when I I became aware of it when. You started talking about Luchador Aton, and once you had that portmanteau. And I forget if you actually had a game mechanic for it yet. I Or really anything about it. I think that I joked that I should make a game of Luchador Aton, and then yeah. I immediately opened a Google document and started working on Lasers and Feelings hack. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember... So why, why Lasers and Feelings? Well... The reason I went with Lasers and Feelings is, first off, I didn't think that anybody would want to read a 350-page document explaining how to be mice that are wrestlers, because yeah. this is too absurd of a game to really work. Uh, it's it's excellent. <laughs> it is excellent, I hope. But it's also really silly, and for silly things, I want something more condensed. Mm -hmm. So there's that, and that just kind of brings up a short list of games in my mind. And Lasers and Feelings is really about the dichotomy between lasers and feelings. And I guess we should talk a little bit about that game. Yeah, Lasers and Feelings is a game that is... It's one... I don't really have a good name for the genre, but it feels like there should be a name. I, I've kind of, I kind of roughly refer to them in my head as slider games, like games where the instead of having a stat, you have a slider. Okay. And it slide. It's games like... Lasers and Feelings, games like All Out of Bubblegum. Right, yeah. Um, to some extent, some Apocalypse World games have this, but it's where you have... There's two things, and there's a slider between them, and you pick a number that puts your character on that chart somewhere between the two things. So in Lasers and Feelings, you have lasers and feelings. And lasers represent science and engineering and piloting and Star Trek-y things. And feelings represents the sort of emotional aspect of, of characters and the will to adventure and the... Um, Some social stuff. It's the Yeah, the social stuff. It's the characters in Star Trek who can read minds and understand emotions and the counselors and stuff like that. And so you pick a it's it's basically counselors versus spocks or whatever i was gonna say and, datas but yeah that works too but i know less about star um, trek than you do and you pick a number and so because they're 
they're a dichotomy because they're on a timeline by definition if you pick um a, a, a number that is closer to the science end of things you are not as good at feeling and if you pick a pick a number that is closer to feelings then you are not as good at science yeah it's, it's a neat little game it's a, a john harper game uh and it really just does what it says on the tin very well you play a little star trek game it feels great and silly and fun and then it's done and it's all on yep. one sheet of paper yeah i think we've talked about it briefly um we might have it's i love that game yeah it's pretty it's pretty fancy all the rules it, it's it's a it's because i've made in the past the argument that it is a an incredibly lightweight apocalypse world hack um, <laughs> I disagree. I don't know if that's really true. I don't think but, it is. <laughs> but it feels like it to me. You roll 2d6s to start out, or you roll 1d6, and then if you're prepared, you roll 2d6, and if you're a, if if the thing you're doing is your specialty, you roll 3d6, and you're looking to see how many successes you get. And, and that's basically it. And a success is rolling over your number, or rolling closer to the rolling high if what is it um rolling high if you're trying to get laser stuff done and rolling low if you get if you're trying to get feeling stuff done and then there's also a little mechanic for if you roll right on that you get to ask a a question about what's going on because you have a laser feelings yeah and and that's kind of i guess where you started for this because obviously there are two kind of pillars of this of luchador aton um of the conflicting we'll say personality archetypes the, the conflicting mice deep Im and important nature of luchador versus mouse yeah you know the classic um i was worried about taking on a genre that has so many incredible games in it already of luchador mice i mean yeah it's, that's true. it's no secret that the biggest role-playing game of all time dungeons and dragons is about mice who are luchadors so from there, I got a message from you that was like, hey, are you actually making Luchador Atone? And I said, yes, I'm, I'm like halfway done with it. And you said, okay, is it Lasers and Feelings? And I said, yes, it's Lasers and Feelings, because that was just clearly the right choice for it. And yeah. then it moved very quickly, and within 24 yeah, hours... <laughs> I threw a couple ideas at you. And we basically almost immediately rewrote everything about the game. Yeah, yeah. At least is my understanding. And you had... At, and then... and then. Well, so I remember... The way I remember this going down is that we had that conversation. You shared me on the dock. I immediately had some really interesting ideas about the, the central dice rolling mechanic for the mouse versus lucha. Mm -hmm. We rewrote that whole section and tweaked it a little bit. And then I, like, went back to work, and when I came back in the evening, you had written the whole rest of the game, and like, which we then tweaked together and stuff. But and, like, we, yeah, it, drew little mice and put it in. <laughs> there was maybe a 24 to 48 hour period from conception to completion for this game. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty thrilled with that. And uh, I think there are some ways in which it very much shows that it was done quickly, but in other ways, I think it has a little bit of... Uh, I think it has some possibilities, some potential. Yeah, so I can talk about um, that thing that I sort of interjected into the game yeah. that I like, which is I've, I've done a lot of, and this is actually just because I've, I had done, previously done a lot of thinking about it, because I like this, um, I like those those conflicting natures, the uh, the intersection of two different types of characters, and, I, and so I like the, um, I like the lasers and feelings game i like that mechanic of the slider stat and i've done a lot of thinking about how you could do that for other types of games and and so because so for example the other ways you can modify that and hack that kind of that slider stat and and so the big other game that i mentioned is is all, um all out of bubblegum which is which has a very similar mechanic except that as you fail to do mundane tasks so I should stop and say, all out of bubblegum, same type of game. You're a character, or you're, you're a regular type of person doing mundane things, and you have a number that is on a timeline, or a, on a slider line, between mundane and 
all out of bubble gum. And when you're all out of bubble gum, all you can do is kick ass. Right, because you came here to chew bubble gum. Yeah, and now you're all out. And so in, in all out bubble gum, you, you're trying to do mundane things. But when you fail, that number, wherever you... I think it starts high. I don't yes. think you said it. It starts high. Um, everyone starts in the same place. And when you fail, it moves down. So it becomes harder to do mundane things. So it hits a point at the end that you can only succeed at things that are ridiculous and over the top. So you yeah. can't walk through a door, but you can jump through a window with a gun in each hand, shooting them and screaming at the top of your lungs. Yeah. Or um, the one that always stuck out in my head as a good example of the system is uh, on the, the one shot podcast playthrough of it. Um, the one of the, you, the characters were getting to the end of the game and they were failing to stand in line, but successfully ninja ran across, across the heads of all of the people standing in line ahead of them. Exactly. And so I, I like that idea of the moving, not only having the, that, that slider line where you're good at one thing, it means you're bad at another thing and, or where having that slider line where because of the fact that you're good at one thing, you are necessarily bad at something else. And I like the modifier of being able to move that line. And so, but it didn't really make sense for this because characters, I don't think in this game that we were going for, they don't move in one direction from mouse to Lucha or Lucha to mouse. And so I wanted to get something that was a little more, um, a little more fluctuating, something that moves back and forth between that. And that reminded me a lot of the masks mechanics in masks, because there you're struggling between your personality or where, like where you are as a person, which struck me as a very mouse thing to do. Yeah, we started talking about it and just. A big part of it was saying, hey, what would make the cutest mouse wrestlers? Because at a certain point, we realized that's exactly what we were trying to do. And I think clearly the cutest mouse wrestler is either is the one that is trying to decide whether it is strong enough to do what it needs to do. Uh, I actually have a, a quote from one of the players from my playtest. He said... Uh, in a very impassioned moment, there are things you must do when you are small to appear big. Oh, that's so good. That's totally going in the, in the that, book now. That needs to go on the book, yeah. Somewhere. Oh, yeah, 100%. And so, I, and so when we were working through this main mechanic, I knew I wanted to have some way for the character to move that stat back and forth. And that as they failed at doing mousy things, they would get better at doing wrestler things. And as they failed at wrestling things, they would get better at doing mousy things. And then all the while rec trying to reconcile that with their personality. While at the same time doing awesome wrestling mouse moves. Yeah, or solving mouse problems. Right, solving mouse problems definitely is a big part of it. And that was kind of as far as I got. And then I went back to work. And, and you kind of went crazy. Then I went crazy. Um... And so actually part of that uh, that I went off with is when you roll exactly your number in Lasers and Feelings, you get a moment of incredible insight. And I felt like that wasn't exciting enough for a mouse wrestling game. So instead I have it so that if you roll your number exactly, you solve the task by perfectly balancing your mousehood and your maskdom. And then you get to gain courage, which is a mechanic we added in and do something impressive. Yeah. And that happens a lot, it turns out. Hmm. Like, a whole lot. Yeah, that was the thing we, I remember we talked about. We weren't quite sure. Because I, I know I've only ever played Lazy and Feelings once, and I couldn't really remember how frequently rolling your number happened. Yeah. It, I mean, one in six. It turns out <laughs> if you're rolling three dice, you've got, like, oh, yeah. a pretty yeah, high probability chance. of hitting it. Um, so let's see, what else, what else? So, so you, had, you mentioned the courage mechanic. Yes. Courage is a new thing. So I originally had it as a, basically a measure of how much you're controlling the spotlight, whether you're in your mouse sort of form or when you're in your mask sort of form. And I initially had it that if you have three or more courage on everything, you roll one extra die. And if you have zero or less courage you roll at one fewer die. 
uh, and that you start, everyone starts out with one courage, and they gain it essentially by getting a luchadoraton, and they lose it by failing at tasks. Mm-hmm. Now, this immediately became a problem as soon as we hit playtest. So I've, I'm definitely changing that. I'm not 100% sure how yet. And I, that's actually something okay. I want to discuss with you. Why don't we... Yeah, let's talk about that. But let's do, let's do that when we talk about your playtest. Sounds good. I want to get through the rest of these rules. So kind of at least the way I came at that was I think we had both talked about or my, one of my problems with Lasers and Feelings was the mechanic by which you get extra dice to roll mm-hmm. is like, are you good at a thing or are you prepared? And my experience was almost nobody did anything when they weren't prepared. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you were just... And, and if possible, no one did anything that they weren't good at. Yeah. So they were always rolling maximum dice all the time. So we wanted a system through which characters could get extra die to succeed better, but not necessarily one that they had so much control of that narratively they could dodge ever having to do anything that wouldn't give them the maximum dice. And another thing that I think we wanted to have is have it be a success-rich game. Yeah, and I liked the idea that you would that as you as you succeeded and built up your courage, you get more dice and so you would end up on these cool hot streaks. Yeah, exactly. Um and I want to maintain that feel. Mm-hmm. But oh, we'll we'll come back to that with the playtest. Okay. Uh, so what else we have? We have helping. Yeah, so if you want to help someone, you just say how you help and spend a point of your courage, and they get one extra die. Right. Okay, so that's another way that you... So you can... If you are playing a character who isn't necessarily the big the big lucha mouse, like if you're choosing to sort of... You can keep your character... If, if your character is, is more toward the, the mouse end of things, you're not going to be the guy, the mouse who's putting on their mask and going up to fight the cat, whatever. Um, La Gata Negra. And, and so we wanted a way for people to help. And I liked the idea of the mouse who is the supporting character, who helps helps their friends. And that that but by doing that, though, you, you have to give something up. Yeah. So I like that as a, a negative like economic force in the game. That That's how you spend courage. I like that, too. And I think it... I think it needs a little bit of work, but I think that okay. I think of the courage things going on, that is maybe the thing that's most solid. Okay, okay. And then, and then we had just two other things other than how your mouse is described and a drawing of a mouse that you draw onto. <laughs> uh, yeah. When you comfort another mouse, you can raise their number, therefore making them more mousy. And if you praise another mouse's fighting, you can lower their number, therefore making them more lucha. Which was, again, our attempt to sort of build this world weird cross between uh, Apocalypse World, like games like Masks and Lasers and Feelings. And it was a way for players to sort of adjust their own stats, well, to have their stats adjusted, but not being able to do it themselves. Because I feel like at one point we had image moves that were something you could do to yourself. And and at some point we both decided we liked the idea of it being a a social thing where you can become more of one or the other, but you've got to have another player ha- have their character interact with you in a positive way. Yeah, um, and I think that that worked better. It feels more mousy when another yeah. mouse has to come up to you and do that. Yeah, because mice are mice are. I mean, in most games, in most stories, mice are the characters that sort of. They're in not in herds. What do you call a group of mice? <laughs> they're in. They're not flocks. Um, I've totally I lost believe it's, this. I believe proper it's an now. abbey, an abbey of an mice. An abbey of mice. Yeah. Um, when you have a squad of mice or a, a platoon of mice, a legion. They they work the best when they are backing each other up. Yeah. So that's basically all of the mechanical stuff. You're choosing a number between two and five, and then you're and the rest of it is just we've we've given some or you wrote a lot of these, of um, different themes for the mouse, um, different descriptors. You have to provide a description of your ears, your mask, your tail. You have to come up with, come a, up with a, name. a cute or fierce name. It tells you that you have a lucha mask and you might have a cape or a belt. Uh, yep. A goal. And then you... Yeah, and pretty standard stuff if you've seen 
Lasers and Feelings or um, Apocalypse World games where you have a list of things to choose and you circle one or two. Yeah. And then you drew a pretty cool mouse sketch for people to to add stuff onto to design their character. I'm I'm pretty happy with my mouse sketch, although I need to scan it better or like make it a little bit better. Uh, mm-hmm. The mask is real bad. That needs to be replaced, like ASAP. Yeah, I like it, but we we can work on it. Yeah. And then the only other thing that's in the rules at this time is a is four tables that are rolled on as a d6 for each one and they tell you a threat what that threat wants and why they want it uh lasers and feelings also had what they wanted to do with the object but i feel like it is a little obvious yeah um frankly el rey de las ratas the greatest rat wrestler of them all only wants all the cheese to eat you know there's no question about that yeah um but i really liked this for lazy and feelings where you can go in and if you have a good star trek story you want to tell you can do that but there's also this little table where you can like three seconds before you start playing roll a bunch of dice pick one of the pick the which will pick the options for you and help you build a little story starter and, and because while I think most people are, well, I don't know. I think it's an interesting setting that maybe not, <laughs> might not be super intuitive to everyone uh, who didn't spend as much time either watching Lucha Wrestling or reading um, The Rats of Nim and all that Red stuff Wall, as a kid. Watership Down. Red Wall. Narnia. Um, I-, I tried to throw in little things that reference some of those things. Um, yeah, so we thought... That even if it's not there as a literal story mechanic starter, it's there to help sort of set the setting for people. And I was thinking that I might take that fourth box and make that something on the lines of, and as if that wasn't bad enough, dot, dot, dot. Oh, that's interesting. And putting in, I've got some uh, refugee rabbits, referring to Watership Down, okay. food shortage, um... The ex- so like environmental things or uh, po- like positive NPCs? Mostly things that would make your life a little bit more difficult. Uh, for example, uh, executives coming in and telling you that the ratings on Lucha matches are down is something that makes your life just a little bit harder, but is probably not a threat in and of itself. Um, yeah, I can see how that... That'll definitely work work really well because that'll give you a... Th- it's a it's a it's a complication but it isn't a threat and it's a thing that you can start doing immediately yeah that's exactly what i'm kind of going for because in lasers and feelings the story is explicitly that like your captain on your ship has been overcome by a strange psychic entity yeah and is out of out of commission and you've i think been sent on a mission or you're in an uncharted region of space, but you're doing Star Trekky things, yeah. And and so you're just gonna immediately be coming across whatever the story is. Yeah, you're gonna land, and the first guy who comes up to you is gonna say to you, "Hey, this is what's going on." Yeah. <laughs> in, in the case of the game that I ran, ghosts. He'll say, "He'll say, ghosts, get off this planet if you want to stay alive." And we will have all kinds of wonderful hijinks. Because he's an old man in a lighthouse. I mean, a space station. And this is not definitely not Scooby-Doo. It's definitely not Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo Raton. Yeah. Um, but, and I, but I think that the typical story, your typical Redwall story starts with characters milling about a, an abbey or training for combat or they're out in the fields or they're trying to accomplish some mundane task that's difficult for them because they're mice. Yeah, they've got a little thing they're to not, deal with. They're not grand space adventurers. So giving them a little complication, I think that's a good idea. I like that. Thank you. I'm, I've got to come up with another three of them. But yeah, but I can help. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's kind of the birth of Luchador Raton and what the game itself is. I could talk about the playtest that I got the chance to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, because I didn't know you were even doing that. So let's talk about that. Oh, yeah, I approximately a day after 
writing up the rules was going to New Jersey to uh, hang out with a friend while my wife went to do bridesmaid stuff with his fiance. And so my New Jersey, my, I guess I'm going to call it my New Jersey group now. Hi, Mark, Felipe, and Kevin uh, got together and played Luchador Aton. Okay. What did you, had they, what was their exposure to something like, like, I don't know, aren't, weren't those, a lot of those guys pretty fresh to role-playing games in general? They're pretty new to role-playing games. Uh, Mark has played a couple of games primarily with me. I know Felipe is in a Pathfinder game. I think Kevin is more or less completely new to it, although but, he might but correct you've me on that. GM'd, you've GM'd, uh, ma- not Masks, uh, Urban Shadows for them, right? I... Uh, I did Urban no, Shadows Max. with Mark, and I've done Masks with Mark and Felipe. Okay, so they've done some Apocalypse World, but had they ever played Lasers and Feelings? No, none of them had played Lasers and Feelings. Uh, okay. Felipe, I think, was a little bit aware of Lucha, but the other mm-hmm. two did not have a whole lot of Lucha background. Okay. Uh, and for some reason, none of them had ever read any books or seen any movies about Luchador Mice weird which it's just such a bizarre it cultural so, it just thing. feels so common yeah i like it's everywhere i mean you and i both more or less grew up in the northeast maybe it's a northeast thing yeah maybe yeah uh so then did so did you did you explain to them the rules of lasers and feelings first or did you just dive straight into the rules of luchador Aton? i just dived right into luchador Aton because my hope is for this to be a game that you can play without having played lasers and feelings first Okay, so how did the game go? It went it went pretty well. Uh, I think everyone had a good time, which is always that nice little thing that is the ideal situation, but is not what you're looking yeah. for from a playtest. Uh, the first half of the game, we struggled a little bit because one of the players had their courage drop below zero. <laughs> oh. Like, almost okay. immediately. Like, second roll okay. of the game. Which meant that they were rolling at one fewer dice. Yeah. And so he was just stuck. He could not succeed at things. And it really didn't work. Meanwhile, yeah. another player, on his very first roll of the game, got a Luchador Aton. So he rolled okay. his number, he got a Courage. <laughs> and then the next time he rolled, he got a Luchador Aton, because now he was rolling four oh, dice. And then the next time he rolled, he got a Luchador Aton, because now he's rolling five dice. Uh, so those systems went a little out of control. Okay. That, I think, was the big thing. Uh, after that point, we made a quick rule change about halfway through the game. And it helped, but I still wasn't 100% satisfied with it. What did you change? What I changed is I removed the penalty for being below a certain number. Okay. I made it so you couldn't go below zero. Because this is a game about luchador mice, why would you go below zero? And made it so that if you... Oh, I'm trying to remember exactly how I did this. Because I, I, what I did and what I might want to do in the future might be different. Okay. I think I made it so that if you have three or more courage, you can spend a courage on yourself. Okay. Allowing you to get courage both from a friend and spend a courage yourself if your courage is high enough because you're kind of like on a roll. Yeah. Which gives you the opportunity to potentially be rolling five dice. And we talked about the possibility of making it so that if the whole team is above a certain number, then there's a flat plus one D to every action. Okay. But we didn't end up testing that one. And when you. So when you played with that yeah that, that way were you playing with the courage number was unbounded like keep could it keep going up forever or down forever we removed the ability for it to go down forever but kept the ability for it to go up together okay forever well because i thought that at some point like this is the problem with writing a game in maybe maybe the problem of writing a game in google docs which is that we just keep rewriting over each other and oh yeah excellent, and so absolutely. i can't remember quite what we did three three revisions ago but i feel like at one point we had said that it went from negative three to positive three and that was where it was bound 
and that you would only ever get plus one or negative one, not plus one or negative one per number over or under. Yes. Um, we had always had it plus one or negative one. We didn't have it... Uh... Oh, you know what? I may have described the game incorrectly when I was talking before. <laughs> That's fine. I think, I think what happened is once he hit three for courage... Mm -hmm it became really, really easy to get Luchadoraton. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Because rolling four dice is really easy to get your number, especially if someone is helping you. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about capping it. I think capping it at the bottom makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But if, if courage is going to be a mechanic that you're tossing chips around a whole lot, I don't think it needs a top level yeah as long as enough as long as there are enough places to spend it exactly exactly specifically for helping to help the the mouse the mice who is struggling more build up their courage because it's, yeah absolutely that's what mice do yeah exactly they help each other to get their courage up mm -hmm. uh what kind of a story did you tell or what kind of characters did they make so we had um el mecanico who was a robot mouse that at one point took a double a battery and some wire and electrified his mask. <laughs> uh, we had El Gato, who was a little mouscarito, uh, who was very tiny and very fierce. Okay. And we had El Arbol, who was a druid mouse, who's like themed after a tree in nature. Nice. nice. Uh, and it was, it was really awesome. It was a lot of fun. Uh, they went up against uh, the rat, the rat king. Okay. Uh, the greatest solid, solid rat wrestler guy. of them all. Yeah. Uh, who was there to attack the abbey that they lived in. So, like, I started off with a description of a little church and the little abbey built inside the church by the mice. Uh, and that seemed to work pretty well. Uh, I think they liked looking out of their hole and seeing, like, the priest watching TV before the little mouse came up to them and said that they needed help and all of that did heard a lot of little mouse voices did a lot of little <laughs> mouse voices so was there anything about character creation that you particularly liked was there anything that particularly went badly i really liked how the little mouse drawings came out um they actually did some drawings oh yeah yeah i have i i should maybe i, I can even toss these drawings up uh, everyone colored in their mouse. I brought a bunch of colored pencils. Nice. And just described it as part of the character creation process. Which it should be. Which it should be. I mean, that's exactly part of the point of it. Um, and there was a little bit of struggle with the theme for the Lucha. Mm -hmm. I list five things, and I'm not sure that that's enough. Yeah. Or if I should just be having a blank space for theme because you might notice that none of the three characters were from my list of themes yeah yeah the styles i think is like solid the styles i think are pretty solid they we had a a monstro a mascarita and a rudo as our team so like a big mouse a little tiny mouse and a a heel mouse yeah Nice. Yeah, maybe maybe making that more open-ended. It might work. work. They had no problem coming up with words to describe their ears and their mask and their tail. Yeah, because those are all open-ended. Yes, those are open-ended. Uh, fierce or cute names took a little bit of work. Mm -hmm. But mostly, the nice thing is you can mostly just choose a word. Yeah. translate it to Spanish, <laughs> and it sounds like a luchador name. And where do they set their numbers? We had a two, which is very, very lucha, a three, which is relatively lucha, mm -hmm. and a five, which is mostly mousy. Okay. As our starting numbers. Yeah. I don't remember... I'm looking through the sheet. This is... I don't remember the goals at all. You must have written that when I wasn't... I wrote those. They're pretty good. I like them. Thank you. What did, and what did they pick for those? El Gato chose Keep Fighting. Uh, oh, actually, I said the wrong name before. I said El, El Arbol, but it's El Druidaton, which is the druid. 
chose Explore the Natural World. And El Mecanico chose Fight Big Beasts. Okay, cool. Yeah, I like that. So that gives them a little bit of a push out to do something. Yeah, exactly. So that worked well. I got to show you real quick, Elgato. I don't know if you're going to be able to see this or not. Nice. See, he's a cat-themed wrestler. He's a cat-themed wrestler. Nice. He's like a little tiny, tiny mouse. That's a great cat face. <laughs> I was. I, he showed me the cat face, and I was like really surprised. It's okay. I, I had always felt pretty confident about the, the character creation. It sounds like maybe we need to do a little bit of work. Um, well, we had always talked about doing some more writing to help nail down the, the, the theme, because I think we both really just like this topic. Yeah, part of me looks at some of these, like, fate world books and stuff like that, and goes, hey, Luchador Aton needs a world book. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot at of At least work. maybe a third page. Well, if we have one page that's front and back, the game mechanics... Right now we have two and a half pages, I think. We have the the, the game mechanic page, and we have the the sort of sort of threat story generation page. And I know I think in the notes you had intended to make a third page for GM materials, and maybe a fourth page for theme. Yeah. And then we'll have a two-page game with a little bit more about the theme to help people sort of get it in their in their heads, and then flip that over, read the rules. And the GM can read their GM notes and flip that over and read the, the setting table. Yeah, I I would like to keep it nice and compact. Yeah. Like, I could see this getting as big as 10 pages, but that's a lot of setting material. Yeah. Um, I, I think I would like to try to put in some, like, principles for the game. Mm-hmm. Because I have a very clear idea of what a luchador mouse game should go like. But yeah, I know yeah. it's it's so weird. It's such a weird game. But it, it, yeah, <laughs> what am it, I doing? It both requires you to have some obscure knowledge of lucha stuff, and also some obscure knowledge of mouse. Like I guess mouse guard is getting pretty popular, but like still. Yeah, yeah. It's like mouse guard or red wall. It's mostly mo- it's mostly red wall or mouse guard, more than like yeah. wind in the willows or something. Yeah, well, because and and like I keep talking about. Um, like the rats of Nim, those were primarily rats who were in like a real, in our world. And so they were tiny and they walked on four legs. Whereas mouse guard or um, red wall, they're, they're walking on two legs. They have houses and castles and stuff. Yeah. I think rats of Nim, the rats of Nim were like super smart. They'd been, uh, (laughs) enhanced (laughs) with incredible abilities. I think in the movie they maybe walked on two legs, but hmm. we had a lot of the mice swapping between two legs and four legs well, depending sure. upon what they were doing. Yeah, that makes sense. I I have to say this is this is the second time I've play tested a game ever, mm-hmm. and I'm much happier with this one than I was the last one. Okay, well, what was was the last one? Uh, Telenovela World. No, the last one was um, the scramble system that I oh, made. Oh right, that which went was okay. Bad. That was a much no. more, that was a much more ambitious project. That was a very genre light project, and it suffered for exactly the reasons that genre light projects suffer. Yeah, it was an attempt to take a complicated dice rolling system and make it more complicated in it, or as complicated but in a different way. I think. Yeah, whereas this was very much a focused game about a specific story Yeah, that, for some reason, I want to tell. And and I think this benefits from being, like we've talked about, like you said, it could be as, as long as 10 pages, but that would all be filler material. Like, the core mechanic of the game definitely fits oh, yeah. all on one page. Like, you, we, we have enough extra space on this page that you have two different pictures of a mouse to draw on. Like, yeah, it's a pretty I- tight game. I'm pretty sure I could move those pictures next to each other. Yeah, we could. If I needed to. Um, <laughs> if we wanted to fit another, like, six lines, yeah. another eighth of the game. Yeah, yeah, we could almost... We could increase the text of the game mechanics by 50% and still probably <laughs> fit it on one page. Which yeah, is I think so. Which is the beauty of starting with a game that's as small and tight as Lasers and Feelings. Yeah, and that, that's with five lines of stupid fiction up at the top to get you into the... 
into the mindset of a Legendor yeah, yeah. mouse. So, rolling your number lets yes. you do the Luchador Aton move. Well, the most important thing it does is it causes the GM or the player to immediately shout Luchadoraton. <laughs> right, right. Which that's, I that's did the... a number of times while just writing the game. That, yeah, that's the most important feature of rolling a Luchadoraton. Yeah. That's another thing that I think possibly needs some work. Yeah? Because currently it's an instantaneous success. Okay. And what that kind of does is it invalidates some other good rolls. Yeah. So it's much harder to roll three successes, but the Luchadora tone overrides that. Yeah. And certainly, like I, <laughs> I joked before about how the frequency with, and with, with which it happens being one in six, but that's like, that's not a joke. It does happen one out of every, like it should happen one every six rolls. It's one out of every six rolls if you're only rolling one die. Yeah. And so if you are prepared, then more likely if it ties into your mask more likely if someone's helping you more likely yeah if you're already on a roll with courage so more it's, likely. it's very likely to happen so okay yeah so maybe so that maybe find kicked into gear a lot so maybe find a way to either bring down the number of dice people are using increase the or decrease the likelihood of success or just take the success thing away from the luchador aton move and make it do something else Here's what I was thinking of doing. What I was thinking of doing is keep it that you tell us how you perfectly balance mouse and mask. Mm -hmm. You gain one courage. It counts as a success in terms of the number of die you need to succeed. Okay. And you take hold of something or frighten your opponents or create an opportunity. Okay. KO an opponent was too powerful. Yeah. Okay. So you're still balancing, you're still counting it as a success, but not as an ultimate success. Yeah, not as an automatic success. So if you get that and two dice that succeed, then you get the signature move right. thing that had, comes from three successes. We had at one point had the signature move be part of the Luchador Aton, but we moved and that then we swapped up to it out. three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, KOing an opponent is definitely way too powerful for that. KOing an opponent is way too powerful. It did not occur to me. And I mean, like, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Except that you can KO an opponent literally every time you roll the dice. Which happens a lot. Yeah, and like, even when you're doing really mousy things, like sneaking oh through. You should not be able to KO an opponent if you're sneaking. Yeah, exactly. And you can. You can... And like, that... Okay. Is something that it's like maybe so, the players should choose that, but did your players? <laughs> well, okay. So it sounds like it's still we hit. You, it sounds like we with the thing we had written previously. We hit fun. Yes, and we, we did. We maybe over underestimated. We, we underestimated how frequently it was going to happen, and Definitely. overpowered it a little bit. So yeah. pull the power down a little bit. But as a a courage gaining mechanic, it felt okay. It felt okay, except for the fact that we had someone who was at negative courage. Yeah. Uh, but given that you have to spend courage in order to help somebody, yeah, that revolves through really, really quickly. Okay. And you know, if someone rolls three Luchadoraton in one turn, that's awesome. They should be yeah. super psyched. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah, reason yeah. for them not to be. Because then they, they get to get three courage, and did, did you let them choose three things? I had them just choose one. Okay. Uh, but, but I don't care. Like yeah, that this could is, be a thing this, in the moment. This isn't a game that any rules lawyering needs to happen during. Sure, sure, sure. Do you feel like having played it uh, and having that, having had the issue of a character go to negative courage and sort of be stuck there for a while, that the game needs a an image move? Where you can do a praise or a comfort or something that lets you increase a negative courage's negative courage mouse's courage level maybe up one. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I feel like it shouldn't be something you can just do purely narratively. Maybe something that you give someone a courage. Hmm. Yeah, because right now the way if if you're in a rut and I want to help yeah. you, 
get mm-hmm. out of that courage rut. The way I do that is I give up my courage to help to give you a plus one to your next roll and then hope that that helps you succeed. Yes. And that's that's kind of the limit. Although that that feels okay. Like, like you said you, you you're the one who's played it, but that feels like if you have a, a character, I guess the place where it'll be a problem is in those first couple moments of the game where on your second roll you fall into a rut. There isn't another character with a bonus of courage who can help you. Yeah. Um I mean, you I also changed it to start the game with two courage mm-hmm. to prevent it from just bottoming your out first immediately. failure yeah kicking you under yeah because that sucks yeah because uh, initially you well so so we should say that was that's sort of my bad you had initially started it with three and, it, and it's really interesting that you say you ran into an issue of the courage rut because my concern was that people were gonna well, just win and get like super high courage and never see negative which is why i had shifted it down to starting with one yeah, I I can definitely see that. I don't have an enormous amount of concern about getting ridiculously high because all it can do is spend a point of courage to give plus one die. Yeah. So if you have 20 courage, and God only knows how that happened, you can spend a courage to help a roll. And you could do that every single round for 20 rounds. Yeah. But there's not even that much rolling in the game. Yeah. I guess my concern was that you would end up with the characters, so they're they're either they're giving everyone else, they're spending their courage to give other people a plus one, they've got the plus one bonus for having three or more courage, and then they're doing things that are prepared and in their that ties in with their mask, and rolling that five dice constantly and just never failing. That was sort of my Yeah. Concern. I think that I think that realistically you're rolling three dice almost every time. Yeah. Because you ask the player and chances are they want to play things that are in character, so they're tying it into their mask. Yeah. And sometimes my players said to me, no, I'm not prepared. But for the most part, it was like, yeah, I'm prepared, I've got this. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, Definitely. This doesn't. This does not need to be an OSR level. Yeah. Grinder of mice. Yeah. So I think I think your playtest definitely shed some light on some things that need to be tweaked. I think that's yeah. Good. I think we have. I think we have a solid start. I think, especially for to me, having that that player or the character creation be pretty solid. Uh, we we had a lot of fun throwing out different types of of mouse luchas and stuff like that. That all that so feels fun. really good to me. And I think the core dichotomy between mouse and mask works really well for me. And it's just those other little side things that tweak and move the, the courage mechanic or give you bonus dice that, that still need some balancing. But I feel like I yeah. feel like we're in a good place with this, considering we kind of stumbled into it backwards and then completed a back handspring of making the game in the, the two days. By perfectly balancing mouse and mask. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're kind of coming to the end of this session. So this was the first time that you and I really sat down and hacked a game together from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were definitely times where you did some stuff and definitely some times where I did some stuff without you. But for the most part, we kind of brainstormed ideas together. And it wasn't like telenovela world where you wrote a good chunk of the game and then I came back and wrote some other stuff separately from you. So it was a good experience. I thought we did, we did pretty well. Um, it's really the first game that I've completed. In in a big way, this is the first game I've completed as well. Because uh, I've started on a lot of things but not really finished anything. Even telenovela world, uh, I know some people are looking forward to it and waiting for it. But it's been in a dozen different rewrites that haven't come to fruition yet. See, that is a game where we hacked, or you hacked, and came up with the story and the concept, but I feel like a lot of, it, I don't know, it, it, it feels like, based off of what I've heard from some of your rewrites, it feels like a game without that really strong central thing that's kind of pushing it forward. 
I don't know. I think I've now found the big central thing. Okay. And when we do our recap episode, which I know is coming up, yeah. uh, we'll talk about what that big central thing is. Yeah. But this, uh, I think this is something that we're going to try to put in front of some eyes soon. So if you have interest in Luchador Aton, uh, I think the the beta will be in the show notes. Yeah, definitely, I think. And... And again, like, we've done some hack... I mean, obviously, we're doing this podcast, so we talk about hacking and we think about hacking, and we've both done little things here or there to tweak games. I know I've done a lot of that to make them sort of tell the stories that I want to tell, but this is the first time where we're really hacking a game to tell a story whole cloth, and you were saying it's only the second time you've ever playtested a game, and I've never playtested a game, so if you're listening and you've got experience playtesting games, I'd definitely like to hear your uh your thoughts and stuff like that yeah absolutely and if you read luchador Aton or hear what we say and have any advice criticism suggestions if you play it let me know yeah definitely i'm currently uh keeping track of anyone who helps with the game so that whenever it gets into its final format whatever that ends up being i can have a thanks to for playtesters yeah so that's been our, our uh, sort of w- little window into our designing of this, this game. And it's a thing that, like, if you follow us on Twitter, we talked about, I think, incessantly for three days. Um, and and probably will again when we get back to the next phase of it. But definitely take a look and get in touch with us. Tell us what you think. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We're both pretty much there all day. Uh, I've got some stuff coming up with work, so I might not be on during the day, but I'll definitely check in. And so you can find me at at end of the meltdowns, and I'm at Doctor Captain Cobalt. And you can find us both at Stop Hack and Roll, uh, which is a Twitter account that we share, and sometimes I post from accidentally, arguing with things that Brandon has said, also as that same account, which is fun. Yeah, um, that goes back and forth. You can tell it's me because there will be gifts uh, almost all the time. Yeah. We also now have a Facebook page. We have like seven followers. So yeah. if you get in, you're on the ground level, which means all the future likes will get brought right up to you. So just look up uh, Stop Hack and Roll on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, you can email us at either Brandon or James at stophackandroll.com. And we have a website at www.stophackandroll.com. Yeah. And and um and I guess I'll start saying this every episode now, but we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on a bunch of those the the any podcaster you can think of, uh, and ones that you haven't thought of yet. And so go there, give us reviews. We really appreciate that. I think we've got two reviews so far, and I've 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 really enjoyed reading them. Uh, the more you review, the more people will find our show. Uh, and the more I, we'll re- read the reviews and just be kind of super happy inside. Yeah. And uh, I've been really enjoying watching iTunes is uh, the iTunes people who who subscribe to your show also subscribe to this list of shows. And for the first time, I saw shows that I had never heard of before, and that was interesting. Ooh. So uh, it's some great shows, I gotta say. We're in good company. You guys definitely have good taste. The best taste. So while you're out there working the fields next to your abbey, trying to find the courage to put on your mask one more time and go find the Cat King, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll.